Welcome to VCR, a vintage cinema rewind. We're bringing old movies to new viewers. I'm Blake. I'm Jason. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Time to talk Blues Brothers, our full spoiler discussion of the film, doing a deep dive. This is one of my favorite comedies of all time. And if you haven't checked this one out before, you're not sure if it's for you, go back, check out the primer episode where we don't talk any spoilers, spoiler-free in that episode, and figure out if this movie's for you or not. I think it probably is, but... Yeah, it's so quotable, so enjoyable, and um, has a little bit of everything. It really does. It really does. And I think, that being said, let's just dive right into it, start in front of the camera, work it our way back. Let's start with the opener of the film, the prison sequence and, and everything going on there. It's cool setup to the movie. We've got Jake Elwood locked up in prison, getting released early for good behavior after serving three years in Juliet in Illinois. What's really cool about this sequence is it sets up the characters pretty well. It sets up, you know, we get the full view of everything that Jake brought into prison with him because they give everything back, which is a really funny scene in and of itself. I got the quote here. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) One Timex digital watch broken. One unused prophylactic. Looks disgusted and picks something up with his pen. It's and then one soiled. <laughs> one black. That, that always gets me because the first yeah. one I'm like, oh my god, and then the second one you're not expecting it. <laughs> yeah, and it, for anyone that doesn't know, a prophylactic is a condom. So he had one unused condom, and then one soiled, and then uh, one black suit jacket, one pair of black suit pants, one hat, black. One pair of sunglasses, $23.07. And then he actually has a few more things in the extended version. Oh, really? Yeah, I forget exactly what it is. Uh, hmm. I have it up in front of me, but yeah. Anyways. Fair enough. Yeah, and so so up until this point in time, there's no music. There, like mm-hmm. For a musical movie, it's dead silent. Until Jake walks out of the prison, he's let out, and his brother meets him there, and that's where the music starts, where it's like, da da Mm-hmm. and we get like uh, the screenshot of both of them and they yeah. you know do the hug and we're together with the boys like kind of thing for the first time yep and we see like the tattoos leading up to that as well and yeah. uh the then we get right into the new blues mobile yeah so we're catching up with the brothers and it, you know it's just kind of filling in background story about the characters right like what yeah. these characters have been up to leading up to this point in time talking about the blues mobile talking about trading the old blues mobile in for a microphone <laughs> and and it, you know jake's ripping elwood apart for getting this new car when it, the old car was pretty sweet and then you know we get like this crazy car jump off of the bridge kind of thing which yeah. is awesome. <laughs> yeah, and like that just sets up a little bit of the ridiculousness of yeah. these two. Like they just what is it? Oh, he just wants to show off like why the car's so good. Yeah. Because his brother's ripping it apart. He's like, watch this, and then just jumps a bridge. Yeah. He's like, he, yeah, Elwood's like, you don't like it? He's like, no, I don't like it. And he's like, uh, so he's like, all right, and he just like rips it and yeah. they go over the bridge, and he's like, mm, car's got a lot of pickup. Yeah. Um, and then he and he's just like talking about the car. He's like, you know, it's like got a cop motor, cop tires, cop suspension, cop shocks. Like basically, like this car is souped up, and these two are about to have like the craziest adventure in this car. Yeah, it's a model made before catalytic converters, so it'll run good on regular gas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so it's so quotable. It's such like it, you know. This is one of those cars that's kind of like a famous car from movie history, right? Like the Mobile. Yeah. There's there's lots of recreations of the car out there. Like it's up there with the General Lee and the Ghostbusters car, like that sort of stuff. It's pretty memorable. The Batmobile, like it's it's in it's in the discussion. It's not quite the top, but it's in the discussion for pretty cool movie cars. Yeah, like, it, it's the Bluesmobile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, you know, we get the introductions to the characters. We go to the orphanage because, as Elwood put it, he promised the penguin, the yeah. head nun, that she they would go visit her when uh, Jake got out of prison. And, you know, this is my 
in my opinion, the funniest scene of the whole movie. Um, them walking the up the steps. Cry. Well, the them walking up the steps is amazing because yeah. it's like, you know, it's like the power of Christ is like working in paranormal ways throughout the orphanage, yeah. <laughs> which is awesome. But then they get up there and, you know, they talk to the penguin about the orphanage with that they grew up in potentially being shut down, how they needed $5,000 in order to save it. And so this is the setup for the whole film, right? Like it sets, yeah. sets the plot um, going like that. These two brothers need to come up with this money in order to keep the orphanage open. Yeah. And there's, it also sets up that they usually come from like they, they steal money or like they, the right. money that they have tried to give to the orphanage before is like dirty money and uh the nun is like not having that yeah so it yeah it sets up like who these characters are like you know they're 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 living in the gray area of the law and oftentimes on on the other side of the law they're just two guys who can't really you know not really great at following rules yeah and then they like right after that they get pulled over by the cops and we see on there oh, we, we gotta i gotta stop for a minute here and say well my favorite my favorite moment yeah. of the entire film is like when they're swearing when yeah. she pulls out the like uh the stick the to like hit them yeah and and they're both swearing and then elwa gets up and he's like oh fuck this and he gets up and then like jake is like literally stuck in like you know those little yeah. like desks that you would sit in as a kid i don't know if you've ever been so when i was in grade eight going into grade nine i went to my sister's grade six graduation and i tried to sit even in grade eight i tried to sit <laughs> in those little like desks that you, would that sit you in slide into and like yeah. the desk is attached to the chair and let me tell you when you're growing at that age those <laughs> desks you grow out of them very quickly and yeah. so like under i kind of understood like jake's uh <laughs> jake's struggles getting out but then he like he, you know he's like trying to like get out of there and he rolls down the uh stairwell and just smashes it at the bottom <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like that that whole scene is is perfect i i cry like every time i watch that that it's just so funny it's such it's such good body humor right like physicality yeah, yeah. really reminds me of chris farley like something like tommy boy that kind of thing like it's just everything in that scene really comes together for me like as soon as they are told to sit down and the chairs are off to the side and they go sit there and she's like i meant like in front of me come here and then they have to scooch over in the chairs yeah, yeah like there's so much in that one little scene and then as they're like turning to leave the nun like fades like just slides back yeah (laughs) hovers backwards and then the door closes yeah it's incredible i i love that scene so the highlight of the film for me you know the musical numbers are awesome but that scene always gets me yeah that's fair and and that's where you know that's when you start to get the vibe of this movie right like this movie has so much energy it's so it's moving at a pretty good pace like we get into the next scene where you know she tells them to go to church to figure Mm. it out um, or actually, no, sorry, they're talking to Cab after this, Cab Calloway, and, you know, they're, uh, again, more exposition, who they are growing up and everything, and he tells them he's, they've got to get go to church, and so they go to James Brown's church, which is, like, you know, one of those, like, classic, like, what I would picture to be, like, a the American South kind of, like, African-American. Like gospel soul yeah. church, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, just so much energy. Everybody having, like, yeah. you know, an absolute blast singing, like, the hymns and all that stuff, and the yeah. hers and everything else. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's it's this scene where they figure it out, right? Like, the beacon of light. And he's like, he's like, Jesus H, tap dancing Christ, I see the light. <laughs> when, when Jake gets hit with that light. And, and they figure out that the way that they're going to raise this money is by basically saving the $5,000 uh, or finding yeah. the $5,000 by getting the band back together and yeah. playing like uh, some some shows in, in over like a course of a few days to get this $5,000. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that starts the uh, mission from God. <laughs> We're on a mission from God. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where like his... Uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd's like Canadian accent really comes into like that unique delivery of um God. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. So that that really starts the whole movie at that point and then you know we're open to it's a recruitment movie getting, you know, an ensemble cast of musicians yeah. together. Every sequence of that is awesome. Yeah, like they just act ridiculous when they're trying to get their one friend who got a really good job at a restaurant as a maitre d'. 
Yeah, and so he's at like a really fancy restaurant, and they're like, "We're not gonna leave until you agree to come play at the, with the band again." Yeah, and they just start being like crazy ridiculous in front of all of these like high high level fancy guests. You know what? One of my favorite ones is is when they're getting the what are they called the the magic stones back together, mm. and so you know they watch them play, and then they sit down with those guys, and Willie Too Big Hall is like. So, Jake, you're out. You're free. You're rehabilitated. What's next? What's happening? What you going to do? You got the money you owe us, motherfucker? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's, like, so happy, and then he gets so mad, like, on a dime. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a sequence. Like, it's just, like, one scene to the other, like, kind of thing, and setting up the comedy really well, really effectively. Uh, and then when, like, they go back to um, the men's hotel, and that's when we first see... You got my cheese whiz, boy. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and, uh, Carrie Fisher just use a rocket launcher to try and hit them. And then everything explodes around them to the entrance to this hotel. And they just yeah. brush themselves off and walk in. No discussion. <laughs> they literally don't even react. They're just like, they, they jump and then they stand back up. They kind of brush themselves off. And they walk in. They don't even look around. They don't even yeah. look to no. see who did it. Like, just completely, like, yeah, okay, yeah. that, that just and, happens in our lives sometimes. And it was such a ridiculous thing to see Carrie Fisher just randomly do with no context. Like, you don't get any context <laughs> until, until, like, like, way later in the yeah, film. Yeah, And then Elwood is just making dinner, and it's a piece of white toast. Yeah, yeah. White bread toasted. Yeah, they're in, like, this, you know, like you said, it's, like, a men's hotel. It's in this really... Etchy area. Yeah, like, there's... Uh, the, the train is like right at his window and he, uh jake's like how often does the train go by and i was like so often you won't even notice it <laughs> yeah and <laughs> and then they just keep them just running by i don't know how they film that like so actually fun fun fact for that is a, a very small note they actually every time the window is shown on screen a train goes by yeah yeah like just constant <laughs> yeah 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 literally constantly yeah and and so it builds that and then we get the car chase scene which the first of like several car chase scenes one of my favorites of the film too when they're uh basically they get pulled over by the cops jay or elwood's got a bunch of fines and and parking tickets and everything he's got like yeah 116 parking violations and 50 regular driving violations or something and his uh licenses suspended and so you know jake's upset because he's just got out of prison he doesn't want to go back to prison and elwood just rips it and their their cop car just absolutely rips it out of there we get the car chase that goes through the mall which is epic like such a crazy car chase little detail here one of my favorite little details of the film is the two main cops driving behind them their facial expressions don't chase the entire car chase they're just like yeah. Kill it. Like, did you yeah, Even that? when they're upside down? No, no, not those two guys. The other two guys. The, oh. the black dude and the other dude. They're just like, oh, the that was time. them. Okay. No, no, it's it was two other guys. Huh. Yeah, yeah. The two guys, yeah, they flip. Like, it's just chaos. Like, you can't even, you almost can't believe they were able to film it like that in a yeah. mall because they destroy everything. There's people in the mall running around yeah. while it's being shot. Like, it is pure chaos. And it just keeps going and keeps going. And it's after a second, you're like, like, how does this just keep ramping up or staying at the same pace this whole time for this like long ass chase? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they eventually make it out of there. And then that's when they go back to the men's hotel. Yeah, we talk about all like getting everybody together. We we get our first like gig where Jake's like Jake and Elwood are trying to figure out where they're going to bring the band to play because you know obviously this is all just like off the cusp happening kind of thing so they drive like several hours and end up at a country bar yeah and say that they're the good old boys the band that's supposed to be arriving bob's country bunker bob's country bunker they're like oh what kind of music do you guys usually play here and they're like we have both kinds country and western (laughs) yeah So they start playing like music for everybody who's shown up. I love that they're in like a little like chicken wire cage. Yeah, yeah. Which and which is really good for them because it's of... necessary. Yeah, <laughs> it's very necessary. Like everybody's just throwing bottles at them and stuff. Especially you know when they get started too, and the music is not like what 
they're expecting kind of thing. So they switch into Rawhide, which, you know, if you've listened to the primary episode, you now understand how how much more talented <laughs> Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi are than you and I. Yeah. But yeah, so we get that. Oh man, I wrote down this song. Yeah. Oh. The Sometimes It's Hard to Be a Woman song. Yeah, yeah. Is one of my favorites just because it's like so unexpected. They're like making everyone like fall in love and cry and like Yeah. Stand by your man, that's a song. Stand by your man, yeah. And like that's when we yeah, we first get to see them perform and we're like like they're they're ridiculous on stage and uh but they're actually pretty good singers. Yeah, like I I'm not a country fan, but I, I love both of those songs. Uh especially their rendition of it with, you know, the, the all of the brass and mm-hmm. all of the horns and everything. And when when they start playing uh Stand By Your Man, Jake calls it uh, you know, it's the favorite of the horn section and none of them actually are playing. They're all just singing background in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is what I mean. This is a really good movie to rewatch because you're gonna catch like little comedic details because Yeah, this is everything's a, really, a like, joke. Yeah, everything's a joke. Everything's really fleshed out. Everything's so ridiculous in this film. Like, there's just so much to appreciate in this film. And then at the end, they're like, okay, what about pay to Bob? Yeah. And uh, he's like, well, I the gig was for $200 and you drank $300 worth of beer. Yeah, and they're like, well, we didn't get charged for the first drinks that we got, so we thought everything was free. Like complimentary for the band, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, misunder- like unfortunate misunderstanding. They decide that they're going to run away. They don't tell the band either that they're A, they're not getting paid, and B, they actually owe money. Yeah. And at that exact moment, too, is when the good old boys actually show up. Not only not only are we creating, like, all of these really awesome comedic moments, but we're setting up, like, all of these adversaries to Jake and Elwood's mission, right? Oh, adversaries. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said it wrong. That's typical um, me, but... yeah. And uh, who was the main character of the good old boys? Because that was yes, uh, he is actually a famous actor. I forgot to mention him. It's Charles uh, Napier. Yeah, yeah. Like I recognized him instantly just from um, like old, watching old movies. Like yep. he he was like a face of like this the eighties. He was in Rambo. Seventies. Yeah. Oh, yep. he was. Yeah, he was Colonel. Uh, yep. No, he's in wasn't. Science of the Lambs, even. Really? Oh, that's yeah. amazing. There's a yeah, good connection. Yeah, he's one of the cops. Yeah, 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 for sure. I was going to bring that up, actually, and I completely forgot. He was in Austin Powers as well. He's Commander Gilmore. like, But, you know, plays like cop authority types, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very recognizable face. But, yeah, playing uh, <laughs> the good old boy's uh, lead singer. Yeah. So, yeah, we're setting up all of these enemies like we've got them we've got the police officers we've got this mystery woman carrie fisher mm-hmm. and then we get to the nazis as well i yeah i just, hate illinois nazis <laughs> yeah just ridiculous they get stopped at a bridge that like it's all backed up because random nazis are um doing a protest or something and yeah. like they're full nazis they're not oh, holding yeah. <laughs> anything back and no. they're just like i hate illinois nazis and then they just peel out off the road and then try and run them over they all jump into the water and they're like we're gonna kill those guys yeah so you know we set up another enemy the nazis which you know like the police officers they're just doing their jobs whatever Mm. everybody else like you know just unfortunately in the way of the blues brothers at this point but they just don't give a fuck yeah 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 (laughs) nice nice it's so nice to just stick it to the nazis in this one yeah (laughs) (laughs) They get the hall, they get the band back together, they get their old producer to set them up, to set up a show kind of for them. Mm-hmm. And so they just go out and advertise it, and like they're driving the bluesmobiles everywhere with like the massive uh, sound system on top. Yeah. Like the amplifier, speaker, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, which also alerts literally everybody to the fact that they're going to be there, uh, including all of those people we mentioned before that have it out for them. Yeah so funny and then they run out of gas yeah <laughs> and then they run out of gas <laughs> and then uh when they make it to the gas station and um dan Aykroyd is uh like hitting on that like oh hitting on twiggy yeah he is so canadian during that scene like yeah just so canadian it is so funny 
then we, we get our first musical number at this point in time with Cab Calloway doing Minnie the Moocher. And it cuts to like Cab Calloway's like big stage at like a fancy place. Yes, I love and, that cut. Yeah, because really cool. like it threw me off when they switched back and I was like, oh, okay, like this because it wasn't actually like he, he's not being Cab Calloway. Like he's a different character, but then they actually go to like, yeah, anyways. It's interesting it's really cool. It's a really cool rendition. It's actually a unique rendition of Minnie the Moocher as well. There's some slight variations to the original yeah. song that he did. He actually preferred this version as well, um, which is really cool. Huh. He did See, the movie. I thought he was going to try to do a different version and they shut him down. And they're like, you have to do it closer to the original. They shut him down for the recording on the uh, soundtrack of the film. But oh, okay, in, okay. In the film, he forgot all, some of the lines and and ended up kind of improvising a little bit of the song, but <laughs> no it, it, it came out re- better. Like it, it's it's a really great song. Like so, I was gonna ask you actually, um, what your favorite song or or musical number of the film was? Because for me, this is the one. Uh, Cab Calloway's rendition. I always like Minnie the Moocher. Always really hits for me. Yeah, like that's probably it. That and Boom Boom by John Lee Hooker. Like that was already one of my favorite songs um, and like is my favorite blues song. So seeing that just randomly, like not expecting it was awesome. I didn't like Aretha Franklin's. It was okay. But Yeah, it was okay. It, it was definitely like the most shoehorned in yeah. one, right? Like it, and and more like plot heavy kind of a song than it was just like a, a good song yeah but that scene when they go to get matt guitar murphy, murphy. so uh we see her and their ridiculous order for food that just tips off their old band member that they're it come they've come in like yeah. he's like i want f- what is it five chickens and one can of coke and yeah. then elwood just wants like white bread toasted. Yeah. White bread toasted, nothing on it. No drink. No drink. <laughs> <laughs> One Coke. <laughs> yeah. And Matt Guitar Murphy's like, oh, Jake. Oh, Elwood. Yeah. The yeah. Brothers. <laughs> that was awesome. And like, yeah, as soon as I saw him, I was like, that guy has to be someone that I don't know that just is like crazy famous or something yeah. from that time. Well, and all of the actors go by their real names, right? Or all of the musicians go by their real names. Do they? Oh, I didn't yep. know. I didn't notice that like Aretha did or like. Well, I'm not sure if they called Aretha Franklin by name because she's Matt Murphy's husband or wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and but yeah, like R- Ray Charles has like Ray's musical supplies or something. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that was. Do we know if that's his act? Like, did Ray Charles have a? Oh no, Ray, that wasn't Ray Charles' music store. <laughs> okay, was I was gonna. I was gonna say that'd be like kind of cool, but um, him. Him putting up the poster upside down like, <laughs> and just like looking proud of himself, looking at it, and like he's excited for the show. <laughs> it's like the three blind mice in uh, Shrek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really great use of Ray Charles there. Just really great in general. Like when, when he shoots at the kid yeah. <laughs> for trying to steal from them. Yeah. <laughs> so legendary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. So everything comes together in the end. They get the money. They actually sign a, a record deal. Which I don't think they sweet. follow follow through with that. They just wanted the Probably money. Probably not, because like, they go to prison, too, afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And then we get the, like, the craziest car chase of movies up until this point in time. They crash something like 100 cars. 103 total for the movie i think yeah 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 it was probably like 60 or 70 for this chase alone yeah it's it's a wild car chase like oh yeah you can tell they're going like 100 miles an hour too like that this wasn't like you know sped up like when mike and i watched mad max too yeah 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 there's like a scene a moment where this cars you can tell they're kind of sped up no they're driving 100 miles per hour through the streets of chicago which is wild you really get to see like the classic things in chicago like under like the the bridges for the subways like the you know what i'm talking about the trains and stuff like that and then uh out on the highway and the uh like the head cop or whatever is in a truck like he flies into a truck with his car yeah <laughs> like so much crazy stuff and then even them just uh leaving and 
Elroy used his glue from the factory that he quit earlier. Right. Um, one of the extended cut scenes is Elwood quitting the factory. Did you see that? Yeah. No, no, no. I didn't see that. And I don't so, have any context for that. Yeah, so he goes into... Oh, so you might not have seen the glue on the cars? I don't think so, no. Okay, so there's this whole other like s- s- little tiny subplot where um, Elwood quits his job in the morning after they wake up in mm-hmm. from the, the like men's hotel and um, they're on a mission from dad yeah <laughs> and uh he goes to quit his uh job and he tells his boss that he's leaving to become a priest and then <laughs> he worked at like a glue and solvent factory and he gets uh some like cans of spray paint style glue and it's like super glue and he glues uh the good old boys their pedal oh yes no that scene is in there when he glues the pedal but there's no okay. context for how he got that glue or anything yeah okay so we see that in the extended cut okay and Interesting. um <laughs> yeah so like that that just all the cars backing into each other and then yeah. driving off that was awesome oh my god the fact that they crashed that many police cars like they were literally rolling on top of each other yeah there was yeah. like a dozen of them um, and then, you know, the Nazis are chasing after them too. They drop that car. Like, yeah, yeah. That <laughs> was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. That was honestly, so I was not expecting, and this goes into effects of filming a little bit, but I thought it was, you know, one of those like model cars to scale, whatever. They dropped it from a height, like something, you know, like a Star Wars kind of effect. Yeah. That was a real car that they dropped from a helicopter. That's what I thought. Like, it actually looked too real because some of the other scenes like were a little crazy but like that one yeah i'm surprised they 1980 uh christopher nolan did yeah 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. true yeah there, there's some really cool like the stunt work in this movie is awesome we get to the concert in my opinion this is the only small nitpick that i have with the movie is that i could have used one more song at the concert i wanted one more song with boys yeah, you know, yeah. we we only get really like one full song, and then they dive into the second one, and that's when they make their escape. I think I think one more song to get the really get the crowd going, get the like police off their guard. But they don't give a fuck. No, they don't. They don't care. It's so yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so true. It's so true. Leaving me wanting more. Yeah. So so the Nazis like and everything, and then eventually, you know, they get to the county office. They give the five thousand dollars to Steven Spielberg. And then they're arrested with like a million people. I, I love that scene too because everyone's like hut 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 hut. Yeah. <laughs> that was it's yeah. Like the military, like the military police show up. Yeah. How did they get so many people for this like ridiculous dumb movie? They got There's like thousands of people in this. Thousands film. of um people extras. in yeah thousands of extras. Like that was ridiculous. That, that I wonder that wasn't a record or anything, but like that probably should have been for a comedy movie yeah but like the inflation the budget of this film like they ended up spending almost a hundred million dollars worth of like today's money making this movie yeah it's wild like i can't believe that this movie came to be as uh, what it is yeah the hut, hut, hut. that was so funny i was laughing pretty hard at that <laughs> yeah 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 and then everything kind of wraps up and we get the last scene where they do the jailhouse rock from prison, which yeah. is awesome. Such a cool rendition. Like uh, that's one of my grandpa's favorite songs. Like my grandpa's a big Elvis guy, big blues guy. Mm. And I, I know he loves that tune. So, and that's where uh, the guy from the Eagles is in the, uh, the crowd. Oh, He's it one is of the first guys to jump up on, onto the tables. Oh, right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's the movie. There's a, a weird little tidbit here that I was reading that, uh, there's actually only three times in the entire movie where Elwood takes his hat off. That's when he's going to sleep, when he breaks the window, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then when the Blues Mobile falls apart at the county office. Right. And then Jake actually only has it off like in the opening sequence, and they don't even show his face. And then he takes his sunglasses off the one time when he has his heart to heart with carrie fisher yeah in order for them to get out basically yeah. like he tricks her yeah. but he's like staring at her like with his eyes <laughs> he's like oh please oh please oh please <laughs> it wasn't my fault i swear to god was that that scene yeah. i think so yeah yeah he's just like making up all these crazy things <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> she doesn't believe him, and then he just like takes his glasses off, and he's just like staring at her with his sad puppy eyes. Oh yeah. my god! Like, oh, please don't kill us! Please, please don't kill us! You know I love you, baby. It wasn't my fault. And like, I ran out of gas. I had a flat tire. I didn't have enough money for cab fare. My tux didn't come back from the cleaners. An old friend came in from out of town. Someone stole my car. There was an earthquake, a terrible flood. Locusts. It wasn't my fault, I swear to God. <laughs> yeah, that's when we find out that he's actually left her at the altar and that uh, she was his ex-fiance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, like, I was laughing so hard. And then his face, like, he's... <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Incredible scene. Is there any other, like, really, like you know top of the top moments for you that you want to talk about plot wise or or anything oh the the backwards car flip that they just randomly did in that final oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yeah because you know at this point like all of the craziness this is like the precursor to fast and furious basically yeah yeah. like that's a that's another uh legacy to this film is the fast and furious series especially the later ones this shit gets more and more i was gonna say i was gonna say like fast 10 or 20 whatever they're on is probably like (laughs) just based on this car chase scene yeah we're just rehashing the blues brothers like a musical comedy that just happens to have some of the best car chase scenes in film yeah i think just like finally hearing the um it's 106 miles to chicago like that whole line like that's what i knew about this movie before i went into it and just like going through all this craziness and then seeing that that was like it was nice it was awesome cool I'm actually surprised that the Blues Brothers doesn't get quoted as much as I would expect it to, right? Like, you know, Ghostbusters has very quotable moments kind of thing. Some of those other classic films of that era, like Christmas Vacations kind of on a in a league of its own. But, you know, you get the idea. Like the 80s comedies, like there's still so many quotes from, from that group of movies and that group of comedians that this one feels like a little bit of a hidden gem, honestly. Yeah, like, that's where, again, it's not super easy for modern audiences to want to put it on. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was going to ask you, um, what what kind of scenes, what did you think didn't hold up in your opinion? The Aretha Franklin one, we could have just cut that out, except, like, not her her singing. I just, maybe I just don't care about her. Maybe I should I, so I have a lot of respect for Aretha Franklin. Yeah. She's like, you know, the queen of soul. She's the mother of rock and roll. Like, I think what it was, I read into it a little bit after too, that um, she was completely not used to lip syncing yes. a performance because it's a movie. So that completely threw her off. And I could, I could feel her uncomfortability through the screen so maybe that's just like a personal thing that took me that's out valid. That's yeah valid, right? so like but that's not really like i think it's just because i watched the extended cut things felt too long and like i yeah i am good with old movies and like like watching scarface like it's long but i get so into it and then with this one i think like i did watch this with annabelle and yeah. i could tell like when she was like okay this is going on too long and i'm like right. into it but like that also took me out so well and and that's understandable like i i would definitely recommend that you check out the theatrical version first and i think you know if you're a massive fan of this movie you go and check out the extended edition there's very few yeah. like extended editions that i would recommend like for a first time viewing really right like out of all of the ones I can think of, like, you know, it's what, maybe, like, Blade Runner. Waterworld? Yeah. Waterworld's one, for sure. And Kingdom of Heaven. Like, those, yeah. those are really it for what you should be watching first as extended. The Lord of the Rings? I don't know if you watch the extendeds first. I think no, you watch no. the original theatrical for those. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, watching first, a th- like, a f- but, like, it depends on how into movies you are, I guess. Like yeah. I, I feel like you could watch just like how I feel I could watch any theatrical cut and fully enjoy it. Yep. Like I think if I wasn't watching this with my partner, I would be fully invested. It's just like I could tell what it it'd be so this is where if we were to like show this to Kelvin, he wouldn't be able to stick with it because he's not used to being in that mindset of watching an old movie. 
Yeah, maybe. Like, and that's where it would be. It's an interesting experiment that we'll have. One of us will have to do at some point because yeah. I'm a massive fan of this one. Jess is a big fan of this one, but because I don't have the experience of sitting with somebody who isn't into old movies as much, I just don't know if this holds up like a Ghostbusters does. You know? Yeah. 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 I agree. Because Ghostbusters is the, in my opinion, the like relatively close comparison film i agree yeah of the era anyway yeah all right so I, let's talk score for a little bit and i really again mini the moocher highlight for me cal calloway actually recorded this in the 1930s if you believe that yeah almost 100 years ago which is wild the original chorus lyrics were hody hody where now it's hody 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 ho okay yeah so you like you said we've got boom boom jailhouse rock like it's all of these classics of blues and jazz from the 30s through 50s 60s era there's a lot of connections to the real musicians that you know we talked in detail about in the primer episode all of the musicians who make appearances in the film it's just a solid score all around right like this is Mm -hmm. i could listen to the blues brothers soundtrack on repeat probably throughout the day honestly yeah, like I actually want to listen to the full thing just without the movie because you're there's so much crazy shit going on. Like unless it's like one of the musical parts of the movie, it's hard to pay attention to the rest of the music. I don't like. Is there like what's the song when they get into the blues mobile? I don't really remember. Right, right, right. You like you were referencing it, but yeah, that's hard for me to catch. I guess, but yeah, like. John Lee Hooker was my favorite after Minnie the Moocher, I think, because Minnie the Moocher was so perfect, but, like, John Lee Hooker is just awesome. And that was cool that they actually recorded him in that market. Like, that was a live recording. Yeah, 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 it was pretty sweet. Because he was old as hell, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, a lot of these people, like, and this is what constantly blows my mind, is a lot of these people were born in, like, the early 1900s, right? Yeah, Like, these are people from a different era of human existence essentially yeah like he was born in 1912 john lee hooker yeah 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 actually that or 20 1917 they're not sure there's a there's a range between <laughs> which he was born huh that's super weird yeah yeah i'm reading that right now interesting what a man what a time to be alive like this can you can you imagine making a film in 1980 with people who were born in like 1900 and and now like you know this movie is over 40 years old but it's really quite a connection to the past yeah wild yeah it's a time machine within a time machine for us yeah it really is it really is it's such a cool connection to the past sequels prequels and reboots so we've talked a little bit about how the Blues Brothers was originally created at Saturday Night Live. You know, it's an original. They started with a band. Did you watch any clips of that? No, I didn't get Me around either. to that, actually. I really want to. I'm going to after this. I bet they have some good clips. I believe their first performance was actually when Carrie Fisher uh, hosted SNL. And so oh. they were like the musical act. Like the Blues Brothers were the musical act for That's the so episode. cool. So, yeah, how they're kind of connected. Actually, Dan Aykroyd at the time was actually dating Carrie Fisher, like, while they were together. On, set. S- on set, he she was choking, and he gave her the Heimlich maneuver. Right. And then they got engaged. Yeah, because of that. So, I had no idea that him and Carrie Fisher were engaged at a point in time. Like, obviously, it didn't go so hot, but... Yeah. Uh, but it's just so fascinating to to read about that. So, yeah, so beginning Saturday Night Live, there's a whole lot of, like, extra source material after this because this is, like, one of the most important movies of the 80s. It ends up on a lot of, like, best of movie lists from the 1980s. And so, unfortunately, John Belushi passed away at 33 in 1982, and we really didn't get, you know the the sequel or more music from the blues brothers that that we probably could would have gotten if that wasn't the case because they Mm -hmm. actually did release a sequel to this in 1998 called the blues brothers 2000 which stars john goodman in the role of uh john 
Belushi, like just as as a different character, basically a different brother of the Blues Brothers. And it came out to very poor reception. Apparently it's a really good soundtrack to listen yes. to, but not like the movie was shit. Yeah, which is unfortunate, you know, but like at the same time, John Belushi is just such a comedic comedic heavyweight, right? Like yeah. he himself, just everything about him, his persona, his the way he can like, you know, drop a punchline, like it, mm. he's just he's he's the master at what he does. Like it, there's a reason why people still talk about John Belushi to this day. And oh, we didn't even talk about how crazy of a partier he was, which led obviously to his death. But like all the antics on set. Oh yeah, we'll talk about that right now. Effects and filming. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Okay, basically, like the the one story that I absolutely loved was John Belushi just didn't show up for uh, filming one day, right. and so Dan Aykroyd like goes out into the like streets to find him, like, and he sees one house with a light on. And he went in and was, like, ready to be, like, hi, I'm Dan Aykroyd. I'm looking for John Belushi. And then he just walks in, and the homeowner's like, uh, you're here for John Belushi, aren't you? And he's like, yeah, he just showed up and asked if he could have a glass of milk and a sandwich and then crashed on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, like, that's just right off IMDb. But, like, such a funny... Like, he was so big at that time that he knew he could do that kind of stuff. I think that's where Bill Murray got uh, his, like, ballsiness from. Well, and John Belushi, like, he's so beloved, right? Like, yeah. you, you have to think about the time, the time period that this is in. SNL is the biggest show in of the 70s, right? Like, it's the biggest show to start in the 70s. John Belushi is the main guy of, of that era, up with Chevy Chase and... Dan Aykroyd and the rest of the group, Bill Murray for the one season, like, mm. it's such, you know, so impactful to American comedy of that era. And so if John Belushi shows up at your house, you're giving the guy a sandwich. Oh, fuck sure. yeah. Yeah. Just for the story. <laughs> yeah. So I actually had another story from filming from John Belushi. He was nicknamed around set as the black hole because he lost hundreds of uh sunglasses throughout the <laughs> filming he just would put them down and then like he would lose them like instantly and so they just like had like hundreds of extras on set to give him every time he put him down again he was just like his character like he didn't give a fuck no he literally like the scene where he rolls down the stairwell mm -hmm. when, like my my favorite scene like he severely hurt himself like doing that stunt because he did it himself right and so he was like, he legit was in a back brace and on painkillers the rest of the film. Yeah, I had no idea. And then he's still dancing around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Crazy other John Belushi story from this. The day before they were filming Jailhouse Rock, and, you know, he's doing like backflips and stuff. Like, yeah. he is, he is literally the first iteration of Chris Farley. Yeah. And so he's doing backflips and everything. The day before, some kid gave him a skateboard to use and he ate shit on the skateboard and like messed his knee up so they like he wasn't sure that they were going to film that be able to film that scene so they got a doctor in and like filled him full of like special drugs and painkillers and like <laughs> everything so that he couldn't feel anything for that scene so that he could do it that's insane yeah like he no wonder he had like i feel like he was just getting hurt on purpose at this point <laughs> well and and a little bit you know like a slight segue too, like the drug use on this set was extraordinary mm -hmm. part of the budget was literally a cocaine budget for the cast and crew and which is you know actually not unheard of for this era specifically uh this is probably like the this is probably the high point of cocaine in in hollywood oh yeah 100 percent. so literally everybody's on cocaine any any scene that's shot at night, every single actor is on cocaine. They literally like, were like using cocaine to stay awake <laughs> and like stay with the same amount of energy. Yeah, yeah. And that's ultimately the thing that killed John Belushi was overdosing from a mix of cocaine and heroin. But this is just such a, a cocaine fueled movie, and you can kind of feel it a little bit, honestly, too. Like, <laughs> just the energy is is cocaine basically throughout the film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
which you know it's a little sad too you know in hindsight understanding it's very sad in hindsight understanding the struggles that john was going through like there was a point in time where they they actually hired somebody to be john's cocaine buffer so that he wasn't doing as much cocaine on set like they were trying to get him to stop and everything and at one point uh john landis walked into his truck and he was like it like i walked in and it was literally like a scarface mountain of cocaine at the table and that's when john belushi actually like broke down and was like hey you know like i i do have a problem like i i need help <laughs> kind of thing so it's it's john belushi's life is really tragic is, yeah. i guess what i'm landing on with that another chris farley comparison and yeah yeah it, it's just actors like that man they they're they're lightning in a bottle they burn really bright and really short yeah and and it's it's really sad like it you know you don't you never want to see that especially with like your idols like that like chris farley is one of my favorite actors of all time like if i see if i see tommy boy i i'm pretty much obligated to watch tommy boy it's one of my favorite oh, yeah. Tommies yeah. for sure <laughs> so let's talk some other like maybe more uplifting or interesting effects and filming stuff I looked up the mall scene because I was like, how did, how were they able to film this much destruction in a mall, basically, right? Because yeah. it's a fully stocked mall. Like, it it looks like a legitimate mall that they're driving through. Yeah, like JCPenney, everything. Yeah, they have everything. And, and I love how they're commenting that throughout the film, too. Like, they're like, oh, I didn't know that was in season. Or uh, mm-hmm. they've got that in here. What? This, yeah, this yeah, everything. <laughs> and, like, yeah, they just so nonchalant about all the crazy shit that they're doing. <laughs> like, like nothing matters to them. They're just like, yeah. oh, look, like they, we, should, we should try that. They actually filmed this at the Dixie Square Mall in Harvey, Illinois, which actually had closed down the year before. So while they were filming, the community thought that they were actually refurbishing the mall and going to reopen the mall <laughs> to the community. And so they were pissed oh, when yeah. afterwards. Like they they actually like went to court against it, even though like they never agreed to restore this mall or like, you know, set this mall up again kind of thing. But <laughs> just because of, you know, all of the stuff going on with this movie, they they things got crazy around the mall. That's insane. I did, like, yeah, I was so curious about the mall story because it was so pivotal, really. Yeah, so they bought all of that stuff, too, to fill the mall up. They bought all of it to fill the mall up on wholesale, and then they just returned anything that wasn't destroyed, basically. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> other kind of related to filming set stuff. Oh, uh, let's talk some of the other vehicle stuff. So when we were saying how, like, the car chasing through chicago mm-hmm. like they're driving at high speeds they were literally driving at 118 miles through per hour in the blues mobile through like the street like they actually got special clearance to drive 118 miles per hour underneath the uh overpass wow yeah so they actually they actually did it twice they filmed it twice the first time without any actors or anybody standing around and they didn't think it looked legitimate enough so they actually when they got all the extras to like wander around and like you know jump out of the way and everything so <laughs> it's pretty crazy yeah yeah my god that's so fast like that's was that kilometers or miles that was miles per hour yeah, that's insane <laughs> yeah there's a deleted scene about how the bluesmobile has some magical qualities as well Ooh. And uh, so basically, like, where um, Elwood parks the car, it's beside, like, some kind of crazy electrical generator for the city or something like that. And it's, Mm. like, sapping energy from it, and that's why it can just keep (laughs) fucking going. That's so ridiculous. Yeah, and, like, they they did realize, like, this is too over the top. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this is is a goofy movie. Um, Like, this is a very SNL type of movie where things are just like you know surreal like pure sur- surreal like the authentic use of the word yeah <laughs> and and on the note of like you know having the pedestrians having to film it a second time with all the pedestrians that actually happened throughout the film like all of the car chase scenes they basically filmed twice without people and then with people because they were like it just doesn't look good yeah 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 did you know that uh, the Blues Brothers was deemed a Catholic classic by the Vatican very recently? Yes, I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up in Legacy actually. It's, oh shit! Yeah, it's it's just a nice wholesome movie, like I said. 
I never follow the structure of our podcast. You always keep it on track. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No worries. James Brown. I got a, I got a funny story about James oh, Brown yeah. on set. So he was actually driving one of the blues mobiles on the way to one of their sets and he got lost. And so he stopped at a gas station to get directions and was arrested by the police because like his car wasn't actually, it was a prop car. So it didn't have like actual license plates on it. Did they know it was James Brown? No, they didn't know it was James Brown. He convinced them to let him call them. And so he called the production company and they were like, we need that car. And, and like, they didn't even really care about James Brown. They just wanted the car. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, we, I, I mentioned earlier that, the, like, the, the Nazi car that they dropped was a real, like, car that they, they dropped from the air. They actually had to, like, get a special clearance from the Federal Aviation Administration to do that. <laughs> um, so they had to do, like, practice drops to see if the car like would drop the way they thought it was going to because they actually like i said they dropped it in the city there Mm. they they legitimately dropped a car like that from a helicopter (laughs) i didn't know that it was actually in that city like i thought they must have filmed it like i i I didn't look that deep into it that's crazy where in the city like how yeah like blowing up the hotel they i when they she blew it up the second time Oh, yeah. Well, she actually blows it up. Yeah, yeah. Like, the demolishes the whole building. Again, so ridiculous because they were blown up and, like, the rubble's covering them. They get out of the rubble and then the police officers get out of the rubble after. So they were just, like, laying on other people. And, like, you could yeah. tell all those bricks were so fake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so but, funny. But, like, those it didn't two. matter. It yeah. doesn't matter when you're watching it. <laughs> this is a movie that you have to suspend disbelief, right? Like... Yeah. I look back at the times, I just wanted to quickly mention like the time period in which this came out because it, it kind of blows my mind, honestly, is that apparently in the American South, a lot of theaters just flat out refused to show this movie because <laughs> they didn't because it was so like focused on jazz and black people and like, you know, a lot of a lot of their stories. Like this is a culturally significant film towards black music, right? celebrating it yeah, yeah yeah exactly right so so there was a lot of like backlash in in that sense originally which is you know it's it's actually that's the only like thing that didn't age well really is the 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 backlash that this movie got when it yeah. came out well that's good the legacy of this film so we talked about how how many cars were destroyed during this film 103 so it only held the the record for two years and then a movie called the drunk man came out uh which wrecked 150 cars then the next movie to actually surpass that was the matrix reloaded which Mm -hmm. destroyed 300 cars in that really epic car chase scene on the highway yeah crazy yeah you mentioned the vatican which is awesome that's like it it is a wholesome movie so it kind of makes sense that they would they would be okay with it the connection to ghostbusters here obviously dan Aykroyd, but John Belushi, the part of Peter Venkman that Bill Murray ultimately starred as, that yeah. was written for John Belushi. Mm. So we would have had him in, in that role, yeah. which would have been a very different movie, but you know, it would have been a John Belushi movie rather than yeah. a Bill Murray movie, right? So Yeah. They're like brothers in comedy anyways, but yeah, yeah. like it They're, it is Yeah. The like Bill has like his own, you know, kind of like asshole yeah kind of persona but uh roger ebert i want to say that he gave this one three out of four stars saying that like the energetic music numbers were highlight and how epic the car chases are in this movie mm-hmm. so recognizing both of those and he just loved like john belushi and dan Aykroyd's portrayals of of the blues brothers mm-hmm. thought it was really like really fit the movie really well gene siskel like roger ebert's counterpart actually gave this one four out of four said this is one of the best comedies ever made so 100 percent. i don't always agree with gene siskel because we were talking about him on uh science little lambs how he hated that movie but and this is one of the times where he got it right there you go yeah he actually said this is his number eight movie on his 10 best movies of 1980 so man i i wish i could have been in the theater like if I could have a time machine to one time and place, it would be nineteen like I don't know, nineteen eighty with a time machine into a movie theater just to go back to the watch movies like when they first came out. The feeling would have been so cool. 
1972 ish to like 1983 ish. A real good era for movies. Very good. Yeah. It was like the first. Well, there's many golden eras, I guess. I don't know what they call it specifically. Yeah. It was a great time. Well, and, you know, like this is the thing is we don't have straight comedies like this anymore, right? Like, yeah. We had them in the mid 2000s to early 2010s. And, you know, that was really influential for us because we grew up like with jonah hill and seth rogan and will ferrell right but you know people don't we don't have the same kind of comedies and i think part of it is just because a lot of like the mainstream films like the comic book movies all have like their hammy they're caught like they're comedy in all of them and so now to be a comedy you almost have to have like more going on yeah, like the lines of genres are so blurred. No one's just making a comedy or right, especially comedy anymore. Yeah, so films like this, I think, are like pretty honestly sorely missed. But it just they they're also not necessarily always big money makers either, right? And yeah. the other thing I was reading about actually, and this is still a legacy bit, so I'm continuing on my tangent, and I'm not sorry. But the other thing is, is movies today have to appeal to global audiences to make the most money right like we're not making movies on a 10 to 30 million dollar budget and hoping to make like 100 2 million dollars we're making movies that are like 100 million dollars to 250 million dollars and they have to be appeal to people in the u.s people in china people in italy people in like south america like worldwide right so it's such a harder demographic to appeal to and I'm actually a big fan. I'm becoming more and more of a fan of foreign cinema. And so it's it's kind of disappointing to me too because, you know, every culture brings their own little bit of spice to their, their movies, right? Mm-hmm. So why can't, yeah. why can't we have more movies that have cultural significance to a certain audience, right? And, and you can appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, like Parasite is the biggest yeah recent one and uh it's but again not a comedy or anything like that i would love to see some comedies from other countries yeah yeah we should maybe do a comedy uh sometime it'd be it'd be interesting to see you know how a comedy holds up if it's not in english like would you do the dub would you do the subtitles yeah like, how would yeah you approach it but maybe you know that's an idea for a future pod uh, our personal reviews and the partner factor. So I guess I'll start with this one because I hyped this movie up quite a bit. This is like one of my favorite movies of all time. Definitely in my, like, probably in my top 20 list. It's my favorite comedy up there with The Big Lebowski. I can watch this movie all the time, constantly. Like, I think The Big Lebowski is my favorite. It's, mm. That one's just special to me. But this one will be like a very close second. It, like, if The Big Lebowski was rated number... The Big Lebowski is in my top 10, and the Blues Brothers is in my top 20, so I guess that's where I, I would draw the line, probably. It's it's just a it's a great movie. It's such a it's such a landmark. It, like, the musical numbers, like, I, I just, you know, I get really into the music. That's the thing is I think that also makes it rewatchable, right, is because it's, it's got all these really good music to it. Like, it makes me want to listen to more jazz. Like, I'm always saying mm. that I want to listen to more jazz, and so, you know, this is kind of a good excuse to get into that world a little bit whenever I watch it the cars like it's a low-key like car chase movie yeah yeah a lot of action going on yeah like if you don't know what you feel like watching you could watch this and get a little bit of whatever it is that you yeah couldn't figure out what you wanted to watch yeah (laughs) yeah it's a comedy it's a musical it's an action film like yeah it's got a lot going on (laughs) yeah yeah just a big fan as well so we're we're a big uh blues brothers family so (laughs) (laughs) And Indy? Oh, yeah. Musical <laughs> numbers, she's tapping along. Yeah. What about, uh, let's hear your review. Yeah, so uh, I just am not as big of a comedy fan, really. Like, I don't seek out comedy movies too often. Mm-hmm. If I do, I'm looking for something, like, top-notch. So, uh, I would say, like... This isn't going to hit my like top 20 just because I don't love comedies the way I love so many other genres. But for my comedies list, it's probably like, yeah, again, top 20 of my comedies list. I don't know that I could consider it like there's some movies that just hit me right. And I don't think this one really did. I really enjoyed this movie. 
but I'd pick a few other ones ahead of it, I think, which kind of sucks because, like, it is such a classic, but I don't have to love it, so... Yeah, that's completely fair. Like, Like, when I think about recommending a movie, like, the way that I think about where I rate a movie is would I watch this to my future or would I show this and watch this with my future children? And like, at what point? Like, right. Because there's so many movies I want to watch with my kids at some point. Right. And this would be probably like a year or two into them watching serious movies with me. I don't know. Yeah, and part of the thing with comedies as well is there's some element of you had to be there with a comedy, right? Because yeah. a lot of comedies are a creation of their era, right? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't know if sixteen-year-old or or an eighteen-year-old would necessarily like Step Brothers as much as we did. Yeah, right? I think you really have to set the stage properly, so like. You can just show someone Blues Brothers. I think you would have to watch something else first that is similar and then bring them to it. And then when they watch it, they're like, oh, now I get all those references. Or now I get, like, why yeah. uh, John Belushi was so great. Like, I see the connection. And, like, so you would have to watch Tommy Boy before you watch. Yes. Oh, my this. God. Tommy Boy followed by this. Oh, my God. You just made yeah. my night. Yeah, and like that's watch. yeah, like that would be a great like Sunday double comedy double feature. Let's line it up right now. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds awesome. I'm I'm real into that idea. Let's watch it ne- next Sunday at yeah. the um like <laughs> at the after hangover party. Yeah, yeah, after your <laughs> wedding. <laughs> yeah, that sounds oh, that sounds so fun. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is a classic, and I would recommend it to a lot of people. I, I think you're right, though, that there are certain audiences that are going to really hop on this, and, and other people are going to enjoy it, but not necessarily connect as hard to it as, as I did. Yeah, yeah. like, And we've been into movies to like a fairly deep degree for like our whole lives. Like We're movie people, yep. so yep. it's so much easier for us to sit down and watch one of these like types of movies and fully enjoy it because we understand like some of the context of what's going on and like where it led after that. This is kind of a slapstick kind of comedy, right? Like it's not, it's not necessarily witty humor or something like that. You know, like this is much closer to a Tommy boy or Anchorman or mm-hmm. something like that along those lines. than it is like the hangover, for example. Yeah, yeah. I just thought of an amazing thing to do for, our, like, the website. Like, how, like, I would want to, so how do you introduce someone to the Blues Brothers? First, you have to watch Anchorman, and then you have to watch Tommy Boy, and then you can watch this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Something there, like that. There's a bit of a rite of passage to get to something like this. Yeah, I yeah. Agree. To fully enjoying it, yeah. Yeah, to fully appreciating what this movie means to so many people and what John Belushi means to so many people, right? Because Mm -hmm. like I said, so many people remember him so fondly and he's, he's discussed so fondly even today. And yet he doesn't have a whole lot of movies that he was involved in because of his short lifespan. Like the only other movie that I've really seen him in is national lampoons animal house. And to be honest, like I don't think animal house holds up nearly as much as the blues brothers does. I would have thought it would have just because there's always been the um, there are modern movies that are oh not super modern like it's like the first American Pie kind of right right but I don't I don't know we we would have to do it on the podcast but in my opinion it just the comedy doesn't quite hold up it's a lot more mean spirited than this film is yeah that that'll change the enjoyability for people today exactly. And then, yeah, otherwise, like, the the other movies he's really known for are 1941, which Steven Spielberg's comedy that didn't do so hot. I haven't seen it before. And film Neighbors, which is also John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. And, again, I don't think received a whole lot of uh, 
love. But actually, you know what? It has. I mean, Roger Ebert loved it, so mm. it could it could be all right for movie buffs like you and I. But I don't know if if everybody's gonna that's gonna appeal to everyone. I think yeah, honestly, yeah. I think if if you wanted to understand John Belushi, this is the movie to check out. Yeah, I think that's fair. Annabelle also liked this movie and was like down to rewatch it because she had watched it like years ago in like a film appreciation mm. class. Cool. And at university, I think. And then, um, or she, or her brother showed it to her. I forget. She whatever. But uh, she liked it enough to rewatch it. And she doesn't love old like old movies. And uh, but yeah, she's had like the few slow bits where she's like, "Come on." I think you're gonna be hard pressed to find somebody who doesn't like the Blues Brothers, but to have this like the high level appreciation is not going to be everybody's like type of movie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They're going to be very few people who are like, eh, it wasn't that funny. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's enjoyable for anybody really. Physical comedy, I think is a type of comedy that does transcend generations. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. I think that's it for the episode. I think that's where we should wrap her up. So it was a, a great episode. It was good. Uh, getting to talk to you, do an episode together again. Yeah. Yeah. Glad to be back. I'm sad I missed the uh, um, Silence of the Lambs one. I've read all yeah, those that books. Was a, oh, that was a great episode. You're going to have to re-listen to that one because we, we had a lot of fun with that episode. A lot of fun with that episode. Yeah, yeah. I want to reread the books and then maybe I'll do like a write-up. That's one thing I'd like to do for content. Cool. Yeah, yeah, Anyways. for sure. Yeah, I think that's it. So as always, uh, go tell your dad about us. Yeah. <laughs> Especially this one. This is going to be a dad classic for sure. Oh, yeah. And uh, we'll see you next time. We're on a mission from God is all I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so used. Like, I love how it keeps coming up. Yeah. Yeah. We're on a mission from God. <laughs> <laughs>